0: guys, we are uh, in 1 Peter. We've been going through 1 Peter for four months now, four or five months, kind of prodding our way through. And uh, our message series is called Passing Through, Learning How to Live our, as Believers in This World. And what I want you to see now is as we're getting up to chapter 4. He's going to talk a little bit more about living in this world and the suffering of this world. But he's going to pause and to give you an understanding of who you are and why things are taking place the way that they're taking place, especially when somebody doesn't like the fact that you're a Christian. And the reality is is that you are different. Now, I, I mentioned that in my prayer. How many of you like to be known as being different? Not very many people do. We don't want to be different. We don't want to be different from our friends. We don't want to be different from our family. We don't want to be different from the people that we work with. We like being accepted. One of the things that we don't like is not being accepted by people. That's one of the things we struggle with. I struggle with that. But the reality is is that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, your life changed. And it just didn't change in the sense that you now have heaven and you now have forgiveness. It changed in the way that you are in our culture. The way that you are among other human beings. Because now you're different. And there's something that you need to grasp from that difference. There's something that you need to understand. Now, it's not a terrible thing, it's actually a powerful thing. And we're going to see as we go through these verses that you and I need to change our mindset about how we see ourselves as Christians. Now, the world wants to say you're nuts. The world wants to say you're closed-minded. The world wants to say that you're interested in ruining other people's lives. Nobody here thinks like that, but that's what the world wants to say. But they're going to say that because the fact of the matter is, is you're different, and it doesn't know how to handle difference. It doesn't know how to handle it. It wants everybody to be the same. So we're going to look today at the first six verses of 1 Peter, chapter 4, and we're going to see what he says about you being different. So let's look, first of all, let's look at what Peter is saying here in these six verses of chapter 4. He says this, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh... Arm yourselves also with the same mind, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime doing the will of the Gentiles, when we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In regards to these, they think it strange when you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation speaking evil of you. They will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead For this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. All right, so let's look at this together. We're going to take this passage, and we're going to divide it into two sections. The first one has to do with the mindset. Okay, remember I told you that we don't like the concept of being seen as different, and, and be honest with you, folks, if you're not waking up to the reality that our culture and our society is changing, and our culture and our society is changing in its viewpoint of Christians, you've got your head in the sand. Okay, so like for instance, let's stop for a moment. We don't normally talk politics here, but have you ever heard Senate hearings where Somebody's being considered for a position and he's going to be disqualified because he goes to a Catholic church. You ever heard that before? That's happening now. Where somebody's Christianity now is a mark against them for civil service. You say, well, that's the politicians. No, no, that's our culture. Politics always is a reflection of where our culture is. Do you understand? Because they get elected in there so they reflect what people are thinking. And so you're living in a culture where christianity isn't becoming acceptable but there you are you're a believer and you don't want to be different though how do you think through that you got to have a thought process you got to have a mindset we're going to see that the second part what we're going to see here is when we talk about the mindset is we're going to see the reality of who you are. There is a reality that you and I need to grasp about who we are in Christ, and we see that in these verses. So let's take a look. First of all, the mindset. We're going to see that in verse 1. Okay? The mindset we're going to see in verse 1. He says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Okay, so let's talk about this. First thing I want you to see. You have to be determined to change your thinking. You have to be determined to change your thinking. He's using a military term here, arm yourselves. Arm yourselves. What does that mean? Go buy some guns, George? No, no. He's talking about your mind. You have to be determined in how you are thinking about yourself and thinking about who you are. See, our tendency is just to go with the flow. Our tendency is just to kind of float through life and kind of go along with what everybody else is thinking. But the problem is, is you're not like everybody else. You're a believer in Jesus Christ. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. And so therefore, you've got to make a conscious decision about who you are because that's going to affect everything else. So you have to be determined to change your thinking about yourself. Change your thinking. That's what he's saying here. Change my thinking in what way? Well, let's look at the next thing. The basis for the change is the suffering of Jesus. The basis for the change is the suffering of Jesus. Now, what do you mean? All right, let's stop for a moment. I'm going I'm to help you to understand a little bit why this change took place. Well, the basis is the suffering of Christ. So here's what happened. When Jesus Christ went to the cross in obedience to the Father, He took upon himself the sins of the world, that is, your sin. He took that upon himself. And when he was placed on the cross, the scripture very clearly tells us, he was put on the cross as a propitiation for your sins, for our sins. But not only our sins, but for all of the sins. He was put on there as a sacrifice to satisfy God's wrath against you. Because the fact of the matter is, okay, let's stop. Does everybody here, would everybody agree we all sin, right? Everybody sins, right? Yep. Okay, we all sin. I don't sin, George. Yes, you do. You just lied. Okay? You and I sin. Now, do you realize that that little bitty sin is worthy of death and hell? Well, I'm not an axe murderer. You don't have to be an axe murderer. You just need to break any little law. And then what does the scripture say? You're guilty of breaking all of the law. And so Jesus was put on the cross to satisfy the wrath so that your penalty would be paid. So when he died for you, okay, when he died for you, and you realized who He is and what He's done for you, and by faith you accept Him and His finished work and who He is, that's called salvation. What happens is, the Holy Spirit enters into your life, you change. You're given a new mind, a new way of thinking, a new perspective on life, a new way of seeing things. The Bible that once before didn't make any sense to you now makes sense. And so, you're different we don't like that word, but you are. You're different. You're not of this world. Isn't that what the Bible would say, First John? You're not of this world. You're apart from this world. Paul would say in Ephesians, you're already seated in heavenly places. Ephesians chapter 2. What's that talking about? You're a citizen of heaven. So, in order for us to start Changing the way that we're thinking about who we are, we need to understand what he did for us because what he did for us provides the basis for our changing of our thinking. We've got to quit thinking the old way and we've got to start thinking a new way about who we are. Who are you? Child of God. Forgiven. Now here's how you can tell if you're not changed in your thinking. So you get up in the morning, maybe you have to have a couple of cups of coffee first, but at some point you look at yourself in the mirror. What do you see? For some of you, you say, I don't want to see. I understand that. But for some of you, what you see are, are you ready for this? Your failures. Some of you are defining yourself by your failures, right? You're defining yourself by the mistakes that you've made, by the sins that you've committed. You're defining yourself by the stuff that you've done wrong. Now here's what happens. You begin to think in terms of, as you see yourself, because we're always mindful of the things that we've done, and we're always mindful of our failures, we're always mindful of the things that we feel inadequate in, you begin to think that God sees you that way. Is that not true? You begin to think in terms of that God sees me that way. But here's what I want you to understand. You have to be determined to see yourself differently. And the basis for that change of mind is not what you've done. If you notice something here, it's not according to what you've done, because if that were true, we'd all be headed where, folks? To no. hell. It's based upon what Jesus did for you and suffered. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not because of you, it's because of him. So who you are now is not based on your failures, your sins. It's based upon what Jesus did for you. That's the whole basis of salvation, right? Can anybody here do anything for salvation? No. It's what Jesus did. Can any of you do anything to be accepted by God? No. It's what Jesus did. So this is the mindset we've got to start operating under. I've got to operate under a different mindset that I'm not not the same anymore. I'm different. And I'm different because of what Jesus did for me. Now here's the third thing. This is the one that you have got to grasp. Look at what he says there. He says, for he who suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. One of the other translations, I think the NIV brings it out a little bit better. But here's the point. Because of his suffering, Jesus broke the power of sin. Because of his suffering, Jesus broke the power of sin. All right, now let me explain what that means. Okay, because this one will hopefully help you to realize that you need to change your thinking. Now, let me just stop for a moment. I'm not going to ask how many of you struggle with it, because I know we all do. Every one of us here has a struggle with something, and you're addicted to something. Now, some, it may be something extreme. For some of you, it may be something that's acceptable. But all of us here struggle with some kind of an addiction. Now, what you understand about an addiction is, is that when you struggle with an addiction, you're a slave to whatever you're addicted to. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're a slave to it. Now, for some, it might be an extreme thing. You're you're addicted to drugs or alcohol. But then some of you might be addicted to pornography. Some of you might be addicted to some of the acceptable things like food. Isn't that the acceptable one? Yeah? Some of you are addicted to, are you ready for this? Some show on cable or TV or the internet or the radio program. And you just have to watch it because you can't get through life unless you see what happens to so-and-so. Which, by the way, they leave you hanging so you come back next week to watch it again. All right, so here's the thing. So everybody, I think everybody, why am I bringing all this up? Because I think we understand powerlessness. When it comes to the things that we're addicted to, and again, I'm going to say it right now. I'm going to put that blanket statement out there. You can argue it with me. All of us struggle with some type of addiction. There's something that you are powerless to in your life. Now, I'm going to say this right now. All of you are powerless to sin in your life because a lot of you know the things that you struggle with sinful. And then, and to be honest with you, for every person that's different. Your sin will be different than my sin. But you struggle with that sin. And you feel powerless because that thing continually defeats you. It continually destroys your relationship with Christ. It affects your way that you think that God sees you. And you feel like whatever that is, it has power over you. Now here's what Peter is telling us. You need to be determined. You need to arm yourself within the same mindset concerning Jesus, concerning what he's done for you. Because through his suffering, he ceased from sin. Actually, other translations say it a little bit better. He broke sin. That's reflecting what Paul would talk about in Romans chapter six. Is that when you became a believer in Christ, Jesus Christ broke the power of sin in your life. And you say, well, wait a minute, now, if that's true, why do I still why do I still struggle with it? Because you keep giving into it. You know, years ago I read I read a historical account after the Civil War, you know, in the South. The South was filled with slaves and of course the slaves were set free by Lincoln and the Emancipation Proclamation. And then when the war was ended, your know, Union captain was going down through the South and he saw these workers working in the field and he's talking to them and they talk about that they serve their master. And he said, well, don't you know you're free? They had no clue that they were free. They continued to serve their master. This is what happens when we don't know or understand what Christ has done for us. We continue to keep serving what in our lives, folks? The same old sins that defeat us because we think it's what enslaved us and there's no way to break from it. God's already taking care of that. Jesus broke the power of sin in your life. But you've got to start thinking that way. You've got to start thinking that way. This doesn't have to have power over me. You're different. Do you understand that? You're different, so you've got to develop a new mindset. So then when we get to verses 2 through 6, he's going to talk about the reality of who you are. So we're going to look at some several things here. We're going to look at five things that he talks about the reality of who you are. And we're going to see them in each one of these verses. Look with me, first of all, verse 2. He says this, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. Here's the first thing I want you to see as we look at the reality. You no longer need to live according to your sinful desires. You no longer need to live according to your sinful desires. I'm going to say this. Write this down. You have a choice. Many of us don't think that way. We make excuses for the things that we do wrong. But the reality is, is you have a choice now as a believer because you have been set free by Christ. You have a choice now whether to continue living according to your sinful desires of your flesh or living according to the will of God. You have a choice you can make that decision that says, I'm done with this. I don't have to live this way. But the only way that you're going to realize that is for you to understand what Jesus has done for you. He broke the power of sin. Guess what, folks? When he breaks the power of sin, you now choose whether or not you want to live according to it or not. Right? That's the reality. But my, so many of us, including myself, we just continue on doing the same old, same, same old thing, never thinking for the moment that I don't have to do this. I don't have to do this. you got a choice to make. Here's the next point. Look with me now. Verse 3. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles who walked according to lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. Here's what Peter's saying. I mean, this is pretty awesome. Here's what he's saying. You've already spent enough time sinning. Wouldn't you agree with that statement? You've already spent enough time doing that. See, if you change your mindset, instead of just continuing on doing what you've always done and living with the failure and living with your view of yourself in light of how God sees you, you don't have to. You can change your mind to think, you know what, I've spent enough time living in the ditch of life. It's time for me to Change. Now, here, here's what I'm going to say to you. This is true because I already mentioned all of us have an addiction problem. Okay? Whenever you talk to somebody who overcomes their addiction, they almost always describe it the same way that at some point something clicked in their mind. And they made a decision I've got to quit living this way. I'm killing myself. I'm hurting others. I need to stop. And at that point on, from that decision on, they made a change. And they can always go back and say, that's when I started decided to stop. They had an aha moment. They had, a, had some kind of moment in their life. That's what Peter's talking about here. When you came to Christ, you have in front of you the choice that you no longer need to live that way. You no longer need to keep on sinning. In fact, you have already spent enough time sinning. That's the reality. You need to grasp that. You've already spent enough time what? Sitting. I've spent enough time sitting. You've spent enough time sitting. Let it click in your mind that I'm done living this way. I'm going to do what God's called me to do. And some of you say, well, you know, I'm trying to get there, George, but I'm not there. Then you need to start praying very seriously. You need to start asking God, God, help me to get to that moment where I have that moment, where I make that choice, where I make that delineation in my life, that I've done enough sinning. I've been enslaved to this issue enough. I'm done. I'm over it. I'm moving on. Here's the next one. Third point here as we look at the reality. See it in verse 4. He says this. In regards to these, you they think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation speaking evil of you. Now here's, here's the other reality that you're going to need to grasp. This is where it comes right down to the fact that you are different. You might say, well, I'm not sure if I am different. No, no, you are different. Why? Because here's the, here's, the, here's the next point. Your efforts to stop stop sinning will be seen as weird. Your efforts to stop sinning will be seen as weird. You know, I think back to, you know, 30, almost 34 years ago. I was, uh, you know, a freshman engineering student, but my time when I wasn't in class was spent Just being flat out honest with you, partying. And I was in the party scene. I was a lot thinner back then, and I enjoyed partying. I enjoyed drinking. And I remember when I came to Christ as that freshman engineering student there at the University of South Carolina, my friends thought I went nuts. Like, what happened to you? In fact, my brother, my younger brother, who's no longer alive, came to me and said to me, What's the matter with you? Why aren't you hanging out with your friends anymore? Everybody's wondering where you're at. You're weird. But my point is when you decide to live the way God wants you to live, when you realize that you have been saved, you've been redeemed from sinning, you can stop sinning, you no longer need to live that way, you've already spent enough time there, and you realize what God has done for you, and you change the way you think, which then leads to a change in the way that you live your life, just realize, here's the reality, everybody else is going to think that you're nuts. They'll start calling you a holy roller. They'll start saying, What do you mean you're going to church? What do you mean you're going to do this? What do you mean you talk about God? They're going to think you're weird. And, folks, can I be honest with you? Compared to the world, you are. Look to your neighbor right now and say, You're weird. Okay? I mean, yeah, the fact is, is just, just tell them, You're weird. You're weird in Jesus. You are. Now, I know this. Some of you don't like that. Some of you don't like the thought of that. But the fact of the matter is, is whether you like it or not, that's the truth. Because you're different. You're different. And here's what you understand which it brings up the fourth point here I want you to see. Here's the fourth point we see it now in verse 5. He says this, they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Here's the other reality. The the one reality is, is that when you start living and you change your mind and you are who you're supposed to be, people think you're weird. Here's the other reality that you need to understand because it guides you as well. Here it is. Everyone will have to give an account of their lives at the judgment. I mean, you understand what's coming. There's a reckoning that's coming. So you're not just living for now. You're living for later. And the fact of the matter is, is those who think you're weird, they have to give an account for the way they're living their lives at the final judgment. I think it's interesting if you go to Revelation. I think Revelation makes it very clear. I think it's in the letters to to the seven churches. I think it's in uh, I think it's in the third chapter. John, when he is writing down what he's told to write down by the Lord Jesus, in one of the letters, the Lord Jesus makes reference to the fact that that one day, your enemies will come and acknowledge that you have lived your life for who? God. So the people who think you're weird, one day in the judgment are going to stand up and say, yeah, they lived their life for God. Isn't that interesting? Interesting. Jesus sets all things right, doesn't he? You're different. So he brings up another reality that comes out of this, and we see it in verse 6. Look with me at verse 6 now. He says this, For this reason the gospel was preached to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. What's he talking about here? He's talking about this is why the gospel is preached. It's for the fact that there are people who are going to face a final judgment, the people who think you're weird because you're different. This is why you're to share the gospel. So here's the point, because everyone will be judged, the gospel of Jesus Christ must be shared. Because you understand that one day they're gonna to have to give an account. Now, they may not believe they're gonna to have to give an account, but the fact is, as you know they will. One day there will be a day of reckoning. So I want you to think for me with a moment. I I'm want I'm everybody here to process this, okay? Think about the people that you interact with on a weekly basis. You've got loved ones that you love, family members, who don't know Jesus? You got people that you work with who don't know Jesus. You got friends that you know who don't know Jesus. You got neighbors. You got people that you bump into at Walmart. The fact of the matter is, folks, every single one of them, everyone, everyone that you're not even thinking of, is going to one day stand before God and give an account. Do you understand what I'm saying? But the problem is, is they don't know who. Jesus. So what you were saved from is what they'll face. But here's what Paul is saying. You know, as he talks about the reality of changing our mindset, I think we've got to change our mindset in this. Who's going to reach those people? You are, George. Some of them I don't even know. How am I going to reach them? But who interacts with them on a weekly basis? You do. So you've got to recognize you're different. You've got to recognize that the. That the Power that changed your life can change their life, but you got to share with them and tell them what Jesus did, and share with them about the life and the new life that they can have in Him. Do you understand? Because they're going to one day face what, folks? Death and hell. You say, okay, George. What do we do with this? How do we wrap this up? Where what do we where do we go with this this whole concept of being different? Well, I'm going to give you a couple of thoughts. They're they're statements. They're provoking statements. The first one has to do with how you see yourself. How you think about yourself. And especially how you think about yourself with regards to your life as a believer in Jesus Christ. So here it is. Recognize that your thoughts will either empower or cripple you. recognize that your thoughts will either empower or cripple you. You need to recognize that that the way you think about yourself, the way that you see yourself as a believer in Jesus Christ, as a follower of Jesus Christ, the way that you see yourself is going to either empower you to do what he wants you to do, or it's going to cripple you in your life and you're just going to continue on in living the faith that you're already in. You need to recognize that. Because if your concept of yourself is, is that you're just a failure, that God... Is it God's just tolerating you in spite of you because of this failure and that sin in your life and your struggle in this area? You're never going to be able to overcome anything. So, all this reality stuff that we're talking about that you can, that the power of sin has been broken in your life and you can now come to that point of stopping to sin because sin doesn't have that power in your life. You're never going to get to that place because you've crippled yourself as far as your thinking is processing in your mind you're always going to be that way you're always going to do the wrong thing you're always going to make mistakes you're never going to achieve anything you don't know why god doesn't love you you're crippled that's why you got to change your mind because if you change your mind guess what folks you're empowered empowered by who the holy spirit because I'm going to be honest with you. You're not going to be able to overcome that thing in your life on your own. In fact, Jesus even said that. John 15. For without me, you can do what? Nothing. You have to have him. So you got to ask yourself the question, all right? Is the way that you're thinking about yourself recognize that your thoughts will either empower or cripple you. I would dare say that a lot of you here are crippled. Well, you know how I'm thinking? No, no. I'm just drawing that conclusion because that's where a lot of us are at. We're crippled in our way of thinking of ourselves because we don't truly understand what Jesus has done for us. Here's the second one. Now, the second one is this whole concept now of... What should I do? Well, here it is. Live as the new person. Live as the new person that Jesus died for. Live as the new person that Jesus died for. Do you understand? You don't have to live as the old you. You don't have to live as the defeated you. You can live as the person that Jesus died for. Didn't Jesus die for you? Didn't Jesus die so that you could be a new you, that you would have a new mind, a new ability? Didn't he break the power of sin in your life? Didn't he say to you, you can stop sinning? You spent enough time doing that? Didn't he say that if you fall down, I'll pick you up? Didn't he say that I would forgive sins, not just past, but not just present, but I'll even forgive the ones that are going to happen in the future because I know you're going to fall? I know you're going to fall? You know, I've, I've shared with you my favorite psalm, Psalm 37, verse 24 and 25. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in them. Grasp the reality of that truth. God delights in your life. Though he yet stumble, that word stumble reflects what in folks' lives? The fact that they're not going to be able to handle life. They're going to stumble at sin. They will not utterly be cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I've said this before. Write this down. God's plan for your life includes your mishaps, stumbles, failures, and sins. God's already included that in his thinking about your life. He goes on then in Ephesians and calls you what? His workmanship, a masterpiece. See, you've got to live as the new person that Jesus died for. Now, here's the thing. I can't do it for you. I can only do it for who? Myself. Myself. You have to make that choice. You have to change your thinking. What's your excuse? Let me pray for you.